athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. Nothing can stop me, I'm all the way up. It is indeed another edition of From the Press Box to Press Row. I am your host, Donald Ware. I am all the way up. A little bit wrong because I was wrong about the OKC and San Antonio series. I picked OKC in seven. Of course, they won it in six. And it was just, you know, domination, essentially, especially in game six. I mean, it was just domination by OKC. On Thursday night, and they just, I mean, obliterated San Antonio and really walked them down. If you think about it, game one, I mean, San Antonio, you thought this is the San Antonio team that we saw in the regular season, just a a shade below Golden State. And pretty much since then, um, it was all about OKC in the series. So going to share some thoughts on the OKC and San Antonio series today here on From the Press Box to Press Row and helping us to talk about the series. Mike Wallace of ESPN.com going to talk some NBA, um, NBA playoffs as well. And also want to talk about Steph Curry and Curry winning the unanimous MVP. It was the first time in history that an NBA player won an MVP award unanimously. And I had to really think about that. Uh, When you think about all of the great players that have ever played this game, uh, the one that comes to mind, and I, you know, I I wasn't a Michael Jordan fan, uh, you know, uh, per se. I was more of a, really not more of, I was a Magic Johnson fan and wasn't so much a Michael Jordan fan, but was even surprised that Michael Jordan never won the MVP outright or unanimously as a matter of fact the closest that any players have come to winning the MVP you had Shaquille O'Neal in 2001 uh, when he lost a vote to Allen Iverson and then you also had LeBron James in 2013 I forget who um, who he lost a vote to but those were the two closest in terms of ever uh, there ever being a unanimous MVP so want to get Mike Wallace's thoughts on that also give you my thoughts and have you or let you have a chance to share your thoughts in terms of uh, Steph Curry should he have been a unanimous MVP I mean I think the easy and facetious answer to that question is yes because the voters voted it that way however what do you think um and, and, and personally, I think he should have been a uh, a unanimous MVP. Magnificent season. The numbers are there. Um, he was on the best team. So certainly I think Steph Curry deserved to be the unanimous MVP of the NBA. So we'll talk about that. Also, Norfolk State baseball team 
having an historic season, as a matter of fact, 27-19, and 19, the most wins, 27, in Division I history. In his 12th season as the head baseball coach of Norfolk State is Claude L. Clark. He's going to also join us today here on From the Press Box to Press Row and uh, talk about Norfolk State as uh, they have secured the number one seed in the Northern Division. They have a chance, as a matter of fact, to have maybe the best record in the MEAC pending uh, Florida A&M and what they do this weekend, but perhaps the best record in the MEAC this year. Claude L. Clark going to join us today also on From the Press Box to Press Row. Your participation here on From the Press Box to Press Row is warranted. Hit us up via Twitter at box to row B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. While you're there, follow us. Also on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R O. W or you can email me here at the program hbcu at box Thank you to all of those listening to us on all of our outstanding affiliates around the country that carry from the press box to press row. Those listening to us on Sirius XM channel 142 and those listening to us around the world at box So let's discuss Steph Curry winning the MVP. It's back-to-back seasons uh, for him. But even more specifically, as mentioned, this is a guy that won it unanimously. And it was the first time in the history of the NBA that there was a unanimous MVP. You know, I had to really think about the magnitude of that. Let's think about that. All the great players that have played in the NBA, and more recently what comes to my mind is a guy, you know, I mean, Michael Jordan. So, you know, I'm thinking, I was thinking, wow, Michael Jordan had never won a unanimous MVP. And, uh, you know, when I looked at the history uh, of this thing in the 88 season, you know, he had 47 first place votes. Larry Bird and Magic Johnson had 16 first place votes apiece. Uh, When Mike won it in 1991, uh, Magic Johnson had 10 first-place votes, and, of course, Michael Jordan won it back-to-back years. He won it uh, also in 92 after winning it in 91. And even in that year, uh, Clyde Drexler had 12 first-place votes, and David Robinson had two. Carl uh, Malone had one first-place vote. And, again, Michael Jordan won this award five times. Now, the closest he came to being unanimous was in 96 when he had 109 first-place votes. Uh, Anthony Hardaway had two first place votes and then uh, Akeem Olajuwon had one first place vote as well as Carl Malone with one first place vote. And the last year, of course, that Michael Jordan won it was in 1998 when Jordan, uh, of course, had 92 first place votes and then followed by Carl Malone with 20, uh, Gary Payton with three and Shaquille O'Neal had one. So even when you think about the history of the MVP voting in the NBA. It has basically been forward and center dominated. So when you're talking about a guy like a Steph Curry, you know, who is 6'3", a smaller guy, that does all of the things that he is able to do, it makes it that much more impressive. I mean, let if you look at the list of MVPs, it's been mostly forwards and centers. We had uh, about a six-year stretch when Magic and Michael battled for that MVP, where, of course, both are guards, but you have, you know, obviously Magic was a bigger guard who could play every position on the floor. And then you had Michael, 
who was a two guard. Um, outside of that, Steve Nash won it back-to-back years, um, 04 and 05. And then you had, of course, Allen Iverson that won it in 2001. Um, Oscar Robertson won it back in the day. But other than that, it's basically been a forward and center dominated uh, award, uh, quite frankly. And so to me, that makes it much more impressive that Steph Curry was able to win it unanimously. Now, to the point of should he have been a unanimous MVP? I mean, you know, I mean, obviously it's open to conjecture, but how do you define it? Do you compare Steph Curry's unanimous MVP to someone like a Michael Jordan not being a unanimous MVP? Do you make that comparison? Because, I mean, I mean look, I mean, if I'm going to look at the numbers and, and, and you know, I, I, I typically am going to use numbers to supplement what my eyes see and, and what is actually going on. So if I look at the numbers of Steph Curry, regular season, 30.1 points per game, led the league, 2.1. I mean, he's not necessarily known as a defensive guy. And, of course, Kawhi Leonard won the defensive MVP award. And, by the way, Leonard came in second in terms of uh, MVP, overall MVP as well. But 2.1 steals per game for Steph. He lead, led the league in free throw percentage at 91%. More impressively to me, because, again, this is, you know, Steph Curry, again, for those that may not know or have forgotten, this is a young man that played his college ball at Davidson, a smaller school. When at Davidson, I remember him quite well. I remember when he beat Georgetown or Davidson beat Georgetown, and Davidson actually made that great run in the tournament. I think that was Steph's, may have been Steph's junior year thinking you know this isn't this is a NBA player not only that he's an NBA first round guy but again didn't have the ball handling acumen at Davidson that he obviously has developed and practiced and practiced and worked on that he now has so he has evolved his game so when a guy like Steph Curry who's really a shooting point guard averages 6.7 assists per game that is that is phenomenal. Not only that, but he's on the best team. He's had a great season, a feel-good story. So, I mean, for those that say, well, did he deserve the MVP? I mean, the voters thought so. I thought so. I think he, in fact, deserves the MVP. But I was surprised that he was the first-time unanimous MVP in league history with all of the great players, including the one that stood out to me, Michael Jordan. Your thoughts, hit me up via Twitter or on Facebook. Your thoughts on Steph Curry being the unanimous MVP and still to come on the program, going to take a look, a preview of the OKC and Golden State Series. I will give my thoughts on who I think will win that series. Plus, Norfolk State head baseball coach Claudio Clark going to join us here on the program. Norfolk State. 27 and 19 on the season, 16 and 5 in MIAC play, number one seed in the MIAC's Northern Division as MIAC tournament play begins on next week. This is from the press box to press row. Stick around and see who's wagging their tongue next with Donald Ware. From the press box to press row. 
Whoa, my man knows how to put the ball in the hoop. Did you see that? He's a stud, driving to the basket or putting it in from long range. Yeah, I saw it. So he's a stud, the man. We're all impressed. Bob, what's with you, man? You seem depressed. Out of it. Hey, man, I'm sorry. I'm just down. Well, boys, talk to me, man. What's bothering you? Home is bothering me. Brenda and I haven't hugged, kissed, or made love in weeks because I can't get an erection. We've been boys a long time. I'm going to share something with you. I had that same problem until a month ago. Then I heard about Alpha RX Plus and things changed big time. It brought happiness back into my bedroom, trust and respect from Felicia. How can I try this Alpha Lust? <laughs> it's Alpha RX Plus, and you can learn more at alphaRxplus.com. It's affordable, all natural, no side effects, comes with a money back guarantee. www.alphaRxplus.com or 800-860-1938. Alpha RX Plus. A Budweiser, a burger, and Thomas Ray. When you wake up in a different city every day, there's a comfort in being able to count on something familiar. For me, that's a Budweiser and a burger. A Bud and a burger remind me who I am and to keep doing my thing. Nothing fancy, nothing forced, no backstage pass required. That's a Budweiser and a burger. Cheers. This Bud's for you. Enjoy responsibly. Budweiser beer and Hazard Bush, St. Louis, Missouri. You're listening to... From the press box to press row. Y'all heard, take it from the top. One, two. My mic sound nice, check one. My mic sound nice, check two. My mic sound nice, check three. Are you ready to rock y'all? segment of From the Press Box to Press Row is being brought to you by Alpha RX Plus. You heard the commercial, a 96% rate in ending erectile dysfunction, and now exclusively for Box to Row listeners get 10% off Alpha RX Plus at alpharxplus.com. Enter Box to Row, B-O-X, the number two R-O-W, B-O-X, the number two R-O-W, for your coupon at the checkout. Again, a 96% success rate in ending erectile dysfunction for more information and to purchase Alpha RX Plus, log on to their website at alphaRxplus.com. My mic always sounds nice when I have my next guest here on From the Press Box to Press Row. As a matter of fact, his Twitter handle is my mic check. He covers the NBA for ESPN.com. Mike Wallace joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. What's going on, Mike? What's going on, man? In the middle of it, you know how it is this time of the year, man, but I'm looking forward to a furious finish, i tell you that much for sure. OKC in San Antonio, I was wrong. I said that, uh, that I thought that OKC would win it in seven. I mean, they lost the first game, won four the next five. They essentially walked San Antonio down. Your thoughts on, yeah, yeah OKC, man. I, you know, my thought was, man, I mean, if you have a healthy Westbrook and a healthy uh, Durant, it, that, that, that is a tough combination to beat. Well, I tell you what, man. I'm, I'm, you don't have to apologize for being, you know, one game off. I mean, you still pick. Well, you picked the team to win that a lot of people didn't think were going to win. So you still in, you know, you're in good, you're in good shape as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I thought the Spurs would win that series in six, really. And you know, again, especially after that game one, you know, trouncing. I mean, they beat them by. I mean, that was one of the worst playoff losses in 
you know, in, in, in franchise history for the uh, – I know it was for, for Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. And it was probably one of the most lopsided, you know, games that, that were ever played in the postseason. And for them to come back from that to show the, both both the, uh, the mental resolve and just the uh, competitive spirit – and you're right. They basically walked down San Antonio. I do think San Antonio got jobbed at the end of uh, you know, at the end of Game Five on their home court. But but again, I mean, it was clear that Oklahoma City is the better team right now. They're the hungrier team. They're the team that should, uh, you know, should be at this point. I mean, you're talking about Westbrook and Durant. Those guys have been together forever now, and it's either put up or shut up for them at this point. They get a shot at Golden State, and you know, again, uh, what they did to San Antonio. It's going to make that Golden State series very, very interesting because we know that they can play with Golden State, but can they close out a game against Golden State? And that's something they haven't proven yet. Mike, I think you bring up a great point when you talk when you go back to Game One because I mean, what a blowout! And I'm thinking to myself, wow. Uh, but I still, you know, I still stuck with OKC. There was it in this series. Was it more about how well OKC played or? the fact that San Antonio didn't play as well. They seem to grow old uh, during as this series progressed. <laughs> yeah, and that's amazing, man, because San Antonio, again, 67 win, a win team. I mean, they, they dominated. If it wasn't for the Golden State Warriors, I mean, San Antonio would have been on pace for, the, uh, for that Bulls record, you know, when you look at the way they played over the regular season. But, again, in the postseason, you're, you're matching up with one team one set of uh, uh, scouting reports, and it's just a, a, a true battle to the finish when it comes to having to make adjustments and how to do those kind of things. Oklahoma City is always giving San Antonio problems because of their athleticism and their speed. I remember in 2012, San Antonio had you know a tremendous, tremendous team, and they looked like they were going to dominate Oklahoma City. And then James Harden and Russell Westbrook, you know, got hot in that series and, and sort of walked San Antonio down in 2012. So this reminded me of that. I think this was more the case of, again, San Antonio, for all the talent and all the things that they did this season, there's still a team that's still coming together with some guys in that rotation, LaMarcus Aldridge, David West, trying to figure out what they are. Uh, Kawhi Leonard having to step up and be the man absolutely this season. And, um, you know, I think they'll be back. But, you know, hey, you got to take you know, tip your cap to uh, Oklahoma City because, you know, there was a lot of criticism around that team throughout the season. And they were able to overcome that. They were able to get through some of the things that they dealt with with the coaching staff with Monty Williams and Maurice Cheeks having to miss some time. And, and Russell Westbrook and, and Durant being able to be closers uh, at the end of this series. And they certainly, certainly became closers down the stretch in this series against the Spurs. Mike Wallace of ESPN.com talking some NBA playoffs here. He joins us on the program. I, I said uh, San Antonio became old. Really, it, it was it was more Tim Duncan. But, I mean, is this a – you know, it, it, he it, it seemed like – I don't want to say it was masked throughout the course of the season, but clearly the numbers weren't there throughout the entire season for Duncan, and it just seemed in playoff time that it was magnified – um, was that game six, in your opinion, uh-huh. the last game we will see Tim Duncan play? I, I think so. You know, I mean, I, I think it is because you know it, it, it was before it was it was Duncan dealing with nagging injuries that sort of slowed him down, and he can always say, "Well, look, I wasn't healthy. Let me get healthy and see what can happen." But I think at this stage, it's just the game is 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 is. is blowing past him right now you know what I mean and, and again the guy's 40 years old it's time you know what I mean I think he came back these last couple of years as more of a favor 
you know, to this franchise that he, you know, he helped establish. And, you know, now it's time to sort of let him go on. And if he doesn't want to play, that's fine. I mean, he made the transition, um, the transitional era to, you know, handing it off to LaMarcus Aldridge and, and, and Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green and those guys. And I think, you know, at this stage, it's hard to see him coming back, um, you know, to, to, to go back through another season like this. You know, he was benched in the second half of that game, and he probably wouldn't have been a factor even if they had gone on to play Golden State. And that's not how Tim Duncan, you know, really wants to go out. I think he's done what he needs to do, and now it's time for a new era. Of course, he has an option where he can pick that option up and come back, but I'd be surprised if he does it, you know, based on the way that he's played down the stretch in these playoffs. A couple of more thoughts, Mike, and we appreciate the time. Um, NBA playoffs aside, uh, your thoughts, uh, obviously, I mean, I think everybody knew Steph Curry was going to win the MVP, but your thoughts on him winning it unanimously. And, I, you know, when I, when I heard that, I, it, it didn't register, and I'm thinking of all the great players, including the, the great Michael Jordan, but this was the first uh-huh. time we had a unanimous MVP. Your thoughts? Right. Yeah, yeah, it should have happened a couple times before then. You know, I, I thought LeBron was robbed one of those years mm-hmm. when he should have been unanimous. Uh, he, one vote went the other way. Uh, my guy Gary Washburn of the of Boston Globe um, uh, kept him from being unanimous that year. And then um, Shaq should have won it the year, I think it was 2001, when, yeah. uh, when Allen Iverson got one vote from Fred Hickman that stopped Shaq. But, you know, look, man, Steph Curry has gotten better. The best player in the league got even better this year. And, you know, again, this guy missed two weeks and came back and gave you 40 points in a historic overtime, you know, 17 points in overtime, you know, to to basically put that series away, um, you know, against Portland, you know, the other day. So I, I don't have any problem with it. I, I do think, um, you know, there were a lot of, you know, worthy candidates. You know, if Steph wasn't just so great, you know, you can also say that, hey, he had another guy finish in the top seven in MVP voting on his team. The same thing with Westbrook and Durant. So, you know, again, there's a lot of talent and a, and a lot of guys in this league that that could be worthy of MVP. But I think this year, this man had a very, very historic and spectacular year, and I don't have any problem with him being unanimous, a unanimous selection. And, of course, lastly, Mike, we appreciate the time. Dave Yeager, of course, fired. Not He's with Sacramento now, a great young coach. But my question would be about Memphis and the organization. You have Lionel Hollins, who made the you know made the playoffs and then he was let go. You got Jaeger this year, a, a similar situation. What is going on in Memphis? That's a great, great question, man. And then, and then you have I know you asked about Memphis, but then you had another surprising development out of Orlando too. You know, with uh, with Scott Skiles yeah. just bouncing after one year. You know what I mean? And saying this is he's not the guy for that job. So I think what you're seeing now is you're seeing. You know, the money is so high in, for coaches now that, you know, they know that if they're, if they're decent, they're going to get another job and another opportunity somewhere else. So they're not going to put up with some of the things that are going on in the front office. I think there's a lot of pressure on the front offices around the league now as they try to move to more analytical evaluation and you're getting advanced metric guys starting to take over decision-making processes. And, and traditional basketball coaches – you know, don't really like to be dictated to when it comes to spreadsheets. I mean, they, they, they're looking in players' eyes. They want to feel, you know, what's going on on the bench. But, you know, I, I think I think Jaeger did a great job in Memphis considering what he had. But I also think that he was ready, ready for another opportunity. And they had some issues there that were just, you know, longstanding issues. I'm talking about going back to when he was first really given the job. You know, they weren't really enthusiastic about him. 
And, um, you know, he's been trying to look for a way out as well. So it was best that both sides moved on in that situation. And you really got to look at Orlando and wonder what in the world is going on there because they gambled on a guy that everyone knew didn't have the total devotion <laughs> to do the job the way he used to. And they, and they got burned by Scott Skiles. So two very interesting uh, uh, coaching changes there, and, and we'll see what happens. But as, you, as, it pro- as Jaeger proved, you know, he didn't have to wait long, you know, to get another job. Jaeger and Cousins a good fit? I don't know if anybody in Cousins is a good fit. I mean, you know, <laughs> even Calipari, you know, Calipari. But the thing about it is that if if they give him – and it's not even about, you know, necessarily the player and the coach. If Lottie Bivac in that front office give, you know, Jaeger the, the, the leash to be able to really do what he wants to do, then I think you force the players to sort of fall in line. But, you know, again, they're going to have to make a decision with Cousins pretty soon because, again, this is a talented guy but he hasn't necessarily matured the way that, you know, some people think he should be at this stage of his career. Mike Wallace, co-host on ESPN Radio. The show, of course, is Rothenberg Miked Up. Also follow him on Twitter at MyMikeCheck, and you can check his work out on ESPN.com. Mike, we appreciate the time, man, and uh, uh, enjoy the series. All right, thanks a lot, D. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, it may be time for Tim Duncan to hang it up. Didn't look good in this series at all. And, you know, it's a player option. It is his option for the 16-17 season. But, I mean, you know, at this point, and, you know, with and, and again, to me, it's a season-long thing. It just, it just hadn't been exposed because San Antonio was so good until the playoffs. And, and he's not the reason they lost the playoffs. I mean, let's be clear about that. But you could just see – that uh, Tim Duncan definitely doesn't doesn't have it at this point, 20 years in the league. Um, time has taken its toll. Tony Parker is still a very viable player. Manu Ginobili somewhere in between Parker and Duncan right now in terms of what he can bring, and so he still has not made a decision either. Wouldn't be surprised if he does, in fact, come back on next year. Up next here on From the Press Box to Press Row, more NBA talk. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. That the voice of Ronda Rousey. It was something that I specifically asked for, not just because I wanted to fight for the Brazilian people, also that I really can't stand this chick, and I would rather beat her in her home country on her own turf so that she knew that she lost with every single possible advantage she could have. That's the voice of Michael Strahan talking with us about his college playing days at Texas Southern. You know, a lot of guys were probably out there partying and in some cases chasing behind the girls. I was working out because I didn't see Texas Southern as being like my stop. That was part of my journey until where I wanted to go. Kevin Hart joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Room. Now, are you going to return to New Orleans for the NBA Celebrity Game to defend your MVP crown? Of course I am, man. I'm trying to three-peat. Right now, <laughs> Tom, celebrity all-star game MVP. If I can get a three, a three-peat, I'm retiring from the game of basketball. I will have done what no man can do. Adrian Peterson. We're strong enough. He built us to be strong enough to do that. That's powerful. It is. Like, that's powerful. That's how easy to put things in perspective. 
and know that, hey, you know, tough times don't come. But if you trust in God, believe in God, he's going to get you through it. Mike Krzyzewski or Coach K, you know, there was an article that came out with the headline stating NBA needs to pull stars from USA Basketball, which is showcasing only Duke's coach. To me, it's absurd because before USA Basketball, Coach K was on the map and winning national championships. However, how do you respond to that? Well, I don't think you have to respond to it because something that comes way out of left field, it's apparent that we don't need USA Basketball to help our program. I've won three national championships before being the USA coach and went to numerous Final Fours and had number one recruiting classes. I think the response from everybody has been, you know, come on. That's the voice, of course, of T.I. and some hard times down in the ATL, though, T.I. And that is understood. It wouldn't be the first. <laughs> wouldn't be the first, nor the worst. No, nah, no question. I'm, I'm still I'm still down with the skins, man. What can I say? They're they're not doing too well right now. Well, like <laughs> you know what I mean. We gotta, hey, 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 look, man. We gotta we gotta hold it down so we can so we can get it back right again. <laughs> we're joined by Serena Williams. You were in Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue a couple of years ago. You feel like you're a sex symbol. <laughs> I'm just Serena, and that's all I can be. And whatever people think is. I don't know. I guess I'm, I'm all, I feel honored that they might feel that way. Though. Maybe the greatest football player to ever play, Jim Brown. Muhammad Ali was a principal person in the country at the time, and he stood up and said that he was not going to the service because it was against his religion. Mm-hmm. All, all the top black athletes together, along with Carl Stoke, the first black mayor of a major city. So. I'm glad you brought that particular incident up. Snoop Dogg is on the mic. Pay attention. Oh, man, thank you for having me, Clay, in a real way. I mean, I'm so honored. Snoop you know, Football League has done so many wonders for myself, and not only me, but the kids and the volunteers and the parents and the people that have been associated with it. We got over 200 kids that have graduated from high school. We have over 50 kids that have grown in Division One. The face of women's soccer in the U.S. is Alex Morgan. Phenomenal moment. The semifinal game against Canada where you scored in the extra time. Everyone's thinking, Abby's going to get to that. And, you know, it kind of fell directly to, to me into my head, and it was definitely the biggest goal of my career. Jim Caldwell in his first season as the head coach of the Detroit Lions. If a coach is named a coach in waiting, the next year he becomes that head coach. He goes 14-2, and two, his team goes to the Super Bowl. The next year he goes 10-6, and six, his uh, team goes to the playoffs. And then because of a 2-14 and 14 record, but part of that record is because certainly one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time misses the entire season. After the end of that season, the coach is fired. Is that fair to that coach? <laughs> well, you know, in this business it is. <laughs> because um, that's the thing that I think most people that are in it and understand it. It's what have you done for me lately. At that particular year, we didn't win enough games, plain and simple. He's the one and only Darius Rucker. I love sports. I love all sports. I watch them all. I'm into the World Cup right now like everybody else is, but... If to me, there's two times a year, the football season and waiting for football season. <laughs> right now, I'm waiting for football season. I love it. Oklahoma City Thunder forward Kevin Durant. What about the success that you've had? You're maturing as an NBA player. It's one of the young uh, superstars in the league. Oh, uh, yeah, well, I'm just, you know, trying to get better every single day. We've been through a lot as a team, and I enjoy playing with a great group of guys. You know, hopefully we get to reach our goal one day. From the press box to press row is the sports talk show that is the voice and the talk of HBC. Sports with a flair for pro sports talk and entertainment. Check the show out online at www.boxtorow.com. That's from the press box to press row, real relevant radio. The others pretend. 
You're listening to the only sports talk show in America that actually cares what you've got to say. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. Last week here on From the Press Box to Press Row, I talked extensively about Kevin Durant and where he would end up next season. And I think a lot of depends in this series in terms of where Kevin Durant will end up next season depends on this series. They've now taken care of San Antonio. I think it's one step further to Kevin Durant staying in OKC. And one of the things I'd never mentioned was was uh, uh, Kevin Durant signing a long-term deal with OKC. They are the team that can give him the most money. We talked about the various teams he could go to and also maybe a two-year offer or a two-year deal with OKC with a, with a one-year guarantee and then a player option for the second year and never really spoke about a potential long-term deal in OKC. Although um, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know if that's a possibility, but again, now that they've taken care of San Antonio and with golden state on the horizon, I, I think, you know, a lot could play with this golden state series in terms of, you know, what happens if OKC wins and makes it to the championship, maybe wins the championship Um, What then happens? Does that um, uh, give a different thought process to Kevin Durant in terms of staying in Oklahoma City? Um, But I think the bottom line is now that they are in the Western Conference Finals, it, it puts a different perspective on it in terms of the possibility of him returning to OKC, uh, even more specifically at this point on a two-year deal with the player option with a guarantee for one-year player option for the second year because he and Westbrook uh, Westbrook is still under contract for next season now previewing with that said previewing the matchup between Golden State and San uh, Golden State and OKC you know this when you looked at this there's a obviously in in 2012 when uh, Oklahoma City made it to the uh, NBA Finals, of course, falling to Miami. It was a much different team. You had James Harden on that team. You had some other guys, some other pieces on that team. Since that time, either Westbrook, and if you remember the following year, Westbrook got injured in the first round against Houston. Ultimately, OKC fell to Memphis in five games in the second round of the playoffs back in 2013. Um, in 14 and 15, uh, you had a situation where Kevin Durant was injured. So this has been the first year since 2012 that both players have been essentially healthy, at least the second part of the season all the way through the playoffs. Both Durant and Westbrook have been healthy. I think that makes the world of difference, obviously, because you have, again, two top five players. And by the way, both of these guys finished in the top five in terms of MVP voting. Um, You have this dynamic duo, a game that that Golden State has to contend with. And then you have some really good pieces that have have really helped Durant and Westbrook. 
Steven Adams, just a a freak in terms of size and athleticism. Uh, athleticism. Cantor, uh, Serge Ibaka, uh, you know, Deion Waiters at times this year. Andre Robertson even had a – he had a really, you know, a solid game against San Antonio uh, on Thursday. So you have those pieces. And, yes, Golden State, when you talk about the team concept in – and that's another reason to sort of make, I think, a, a comparison and a argument that this Golden State team of this season, um, I, think, I don't think there's any doubt in my mind that they would have given that Chicago team 95-96 a run, but maybe that they, they could have won, a, a, let's say, if you had a seven-game series. I mean, obviously we don't know that, but I'm just saying, you know, I, 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 it's been a while anyway since I've seen – a team with the true team concept, even with a superstar player like Steph Curry, um, who can take over a game, not only with shooting the basketball and scoring, uh, but also with his distribution of the basketball. If you look at uh, their closeout game, uh, Golden State's closeout game, um, I mean, it was Clay Thompson who was the star, and not that. Steph Curry had a bad game. I mean, he still had a good game. He had five three-pointers. He had 29 points. But it was those 11 assists that were essential. This is a magnificent Golden State team. I mean, we talk about all of the different pieces with Green and, 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 uh, and, and, and Iguodala and all of those guys. But more so than the individual players is the things that they're willing to do. Iguodala takes a backseat. He's, he's taking a backseat. Essentially, and remember, this was Iguodala that uh, was the finals MVP on last year. Um, but how do you think Clay Thompson and even more specifically Steph Curry is able to get the shots that they're able to get off? It's because these guys are a lot of these other guys are doing a lot of the dirty work setting those screens. I mean, sometimes you'll think you'll wonder how and I mean. How, with the best shooter in the game and the best two shooters in the game, in Curry and Thompson, how in the world are these guys open? Why are these guys wide open? And it's not because there's some laziness on the defensive end by the opponent. Most of the time, it is because of the incredible, incredible screens that are set for these guys to, in fact, be able to hit these shots. And when Curry and Klay Thompson get open shots, it's rare that they're going to miss open, wide-open looks, especially Curry. It's rare that he's going to miss a wide-open, uncontested look. All of the looks that he's hit uh, contested. So, I mean, you know, I think when you look at both teams, Golden State, very similar to the team that we saw in the regular season as they're playing in the playoffs, Um I, I would say they've taken it up. I, I don't, I don't want to say they've taken it up a notch, but they're a little bit better, I would say, than even the regular season. Uh, because, again, they showed that on a couple of different occasions, without Steph Curry, they were able to, in fact, get it done. And as a matter of fact, um, once Steph Curry came back for game four, um, I mean, wow, he, I mean, he scores 40 points, 40 points coming back so you know they've shown that they can win without the unanimous league MVP 
I think for OKC, they have taken it up to another notch. Yeah, I know Dallas gave Golden State, you know, some issues in the first round, but I think OKC showed what it was made of in these last five games, winning four of those five. Again, I mean, I don't think it can be overstated after getting blown out by San Antonio. I mean, uh, you know, Kawhi Leonard um, and, of course, um, Aldridge went to work on these guys. And, 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 and you know, let, let's credit, you know, obviously we want to credit uh, the star players, Durant, Westbrook. But let's give Billy Donovan a little bit of credit, too, making some adjustments coming back in, in, in game two, albeit controversially. Bottom line is uh, OKC won that game, and then OKC has really showed what it's made of. Even, even the game that they lost. And by the way, we must also point out, and this is very significant, that Golden State, or excuse me, that OKC defeated San Antonio twice in San Antonio. San Antonio only lost one game all year at home, and here you have OKC coming in and defeating San Antonio twice. I mean, that, that, is, that is significant and cannot be overstated. And I do think that OKC, of course, the first two games are at the Oracle in Oakland. I do think that OKC will win a game in Golden State, uh, at Golden State in Oakland. And I think if that happens... Then I think then I think OKC is going to win this series ultimately. But if they get down 2-0, um, I think they can forget about it. I think if I have to make a prediction, boy, I hate to go against Golden State. I, I'm, you know, and and again, I look at four out of five in the regular season. I think, um, you know, a lot of times you say you throw the regular season out of the window. Yeah, I guess you do at this point. But again, I think OKC is taking it up another notch. While I think Golden State has played even better. I, I don't know about another notch, but they played even better, I think, uh, in these playoffs. And so, I, I, you know, I'm going to pick Golden State. I'm going to pick Golden State in seven. I'm going to go with Golden State in seven, of course, winning uh, game seven on their home floor. Uh, but OKC is definitely going to give Golden State a run in these uh, playoffs, and it should be a very, very exciting series. Your thoughts. Hit me up via Twitter. Who do you think is going to win this series overall? And not only that, give me a prediction as to how many games. Do you think uh, maybe Golden State sweeps? OKC, okay, I want to get your thoughts on this. Hit us up on Twitter at box to row B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W, or email me here at the show, HBCU, at BoxToRow.com. Who do you think? wins this series in how many games and you know you can even tell me why you think the team will win the uh the series but um again I just think it's what we've wanted to see I I, I and for me listen I know you know I know in, in San Antonio rightfully so second best team in the league in terms of the record and all of that and you know even ahead of Cleveland um but listen for me uh, just coming into this series, there was just something about, you know, for me, Durant and Westbrook being healthy. And again, the previous three playoffs, they weren't healthy, or the previous two, I should say, to this one, they weren't healthy. 12, or the, the previous three, like I said, 12, 
Um, they were fine. Um, 13, Westbrook goes down. Uh, 14 and 15, I think Durant not as healthy as, 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 as needed to be, and especially when you look at the course of the season. So for me, uh, I liked OKC in the, in the uh, series against San Antonio, but I like Golden State over OKC. Up next here on From the Press Box to Press Row, Norfolk State baseball coach, Claudel Clark. The radio program that's talking sports from New York City to Cali and globally on the World Wide Web. From the Press Box to Press Row continues after this. Men, you know there are a couple of myths that should be cleared away from your belief system. The first myth, women only look for tall, virile, handsome guys with money. The truth is, most women look for guys who know how to get results and save money, too. The second myth, you have to buy expensive drugs to regain your love life or defeat erectile dysfunction. The truth is, there is a product on the market made of seven herbs. It's all natural, costs less than $40, and helps 96% of men who try it regain erections that last, and many guys swear their 20s have returned. Alpha RX Plus works to defeat erectile dysfunction, has no reported side effects, and comes with a money-back guarantee. If you want to defeat erectile dysfunction and save money doing it, Alpha RX Plus should be a part of your belief system. Try Alpha RX Plus and then tell us what you think. AlphaRxPlus.com or call 800-860-1938. Alpha RX Plus. The following is a message from the Bud Light Party. This election year, our calendars are filling up with lesser holidays, and it's becoming a problem. There's National Lumpy Rug Day, Shrimp Scampi Day, and Bat Appreciation Day. Everything is worth celebrating with a Bud Light, but come on, Bat Appreciation Day? This message approved by the Bud Light Party. Raise one to right now. Enjoy responsibly. Bud Light Beer, AB, St. Louis, Missouri. It's Donald Ware, host of From the Press Box to Press Row. You never know who may be a guest on the program. We are joined by Ice Cube, one of the greatest boxers of all time. Sugar Ray Leonard is on the line. We're joined by Demarcus Ware. We are joined by Wendy Raquel Robinson. Art Shell is our guest. Maybe the greatest football player to ever play, Jim Brown. I'm talking about none other then common mark mariel who's the president and ceo of the national urban league ceo commissioner of the ciaa leon carey none other than the world-renowned smoky north the godfather of go-go chuck brown joins us here talking about none other than doug williams serena williams that was definitely one of the better matches i've ever played missed any of these interviews check us out online at www.boxtorow.com that's from the press box to press row. Real relevant radio. Doesn't matter what your sport, he talks your language. It's Delaware. From the press box to press row, it's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host. Donald Ware. Claudel Clark is in his 12th season as the head baseball coach at Norfolk State. And this has been a historic, to this point, as a matter of fact, a historic season for Norfolk State, who is 27 and 19 overall. They're 19 and 5 
in conference play. They've already won the MEAC's Northern Division and, as a matter of fact, can finish no worse than tied for first place with the best overall record in the MEAC. Claudia Clark joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Coach Clark, welcome back to the program. Good morning to you. It's good to be back. Thank you for joining us. Uh, first of all, I mean, you know, I, look, I looked at the bio, and I know we had you on a couple of years ago, but, it, you know, it said 12 seasons, and I, I thought, my goodness, has it been 12 seasons? I mean, when you think of all the years that Marty Miller was the head coach there at Norfolk State and all that he did, does it seem like it's been 12 years as the head coach at Norfolk State for you? It's gone by mighty quickly. Uh, I still remember uh, playing for Mr. Miller and I coaching alongside him, but uh, it, it really has been 12 years, and it just shows how time flies. Yeah, what did it mean to you, I guess, that 12 years ago, if you reflect back now, um, again, having been a player uh, for Coach Miller and a player at Norfolk State, a very good one, as a matter of fact, to, in fact, take over the program at that time and then build it to where it is now. Again, this is a historic year, 27 wins for the program. Um, it was a you know, kind of a, a life-changing moment. You know, no one would ever thought that uh, Coach Miller would stop coaching at that point. And, uh, you know, he was called to some greater duties. And uh, just having to have stepped up in that point uh, and, and that kind of uh, magnitude of a position was, was overwhelming and it was an opportunity of a lifetime. But, you know, myself and, and coaches, thank goodness, uh, around me have, have helped to move the program to this level. So it's been a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, and we've just tried to make a – a uh, monumental effort to get the program where it's at and take advantage of that opportunity. Your regular season has been completed, and, uh, of course, you now await MEAC play or MEAC tournament play, which begins um, on next week. What uh, – your your thoughts on the regular season and, and again, the uh, 27 wins, 19 of those wins in MEAC play? Well, as I said before, um, you know, we started off somewhat slow. Uh, couldn't get out to practice much, couldn't get the reps that we really wanted, uh, didn't really have our practice engine rolling, uh, but the weather broke. We were able to get some um, practice and then some reps done outside the game, and the uh, results started to show slowly but surely within the games. Even started off slowly in conference play with two losses versus Dell State. But once we got going, uh, we rolled off, I guess, six or seven good conference weekends, and uh, we really got our players' uh, confidence and mentality in the right place. And uh, resulting in that 27 and 19, as you as you mentioned, so uh, it, it took some patience, it took some perseverance, it took some prayer, uh, but we got the guys rolling, and uh, it's certainly been a great result to see. You had w- reeled off uh, seven straight wins uh, before your last game, and in, in a loss, a tough loss uh, to Duke, four to three in extra innings. W- what do you take away from that loss to Duke? Now going into the MEAC tournament. Well, first of all, what you said about the seven wins, we've had multiple win streaks. Uh, guys have gotten in such, such hot streaks that you almost didn't even realize it was five or seven or eight. Uh, they just played so well. And then to, to have that kind of effort at Duke, seemingly to come up short, only to tie the game and go to extra innings, it was just more of the same. I mean, you, we really thought we were going to win that game. It didn't happen. But our players and, and the coaches, uh, we had full confidence going down there that, hey, we have a chance to win this. Uh, Parmentier started off well. We got a key hit late, played some pretty good defense. And uh, like I said, it was anybody's game. So that that's great confidence and a great way to finish the regular season going into playing, uh, hopefully, just three tough games uh, next week. That's the voice of Claudel Clark in his 12th season 
as the head baseball coach at Norfolk State. He joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row again. The Spartans have completed their regular season. Number one seed out of the north, of course, uh, getting ready for next week's MEAC tournament. I want to start, when I look at the personnel, I want to start with with pitching because, I mean, when you look at the numbers, a 3.71 ERA uh, as a staff, John and, uh, Jonathan Mauricio, 2.22 ERA, 6-2. Matt Altman, 2.62 ERA, 7-2 uh, on the season. These guys have gotten it done for you. Can you talk about the pitching staff, these two guys, and how the pitching staff as a whole has been able to be successful for you this season? Well, uh, they've been extremely coachable. Uh, coach Joey Seal, which is our uh, immediate pitching coach, we certainly uh, talk about that sort of thing, but he really takes the time to prepare those guys, um, uh, develop throwing schedules, and, and really monitor them from day to day and week to week, uh, year to year. Uh, but, you know, on top of his leadership, Matt Altman has certainly led from a player standpoint, um, really tied at this point for the uh, career wins uh, record at Norfolk State. So obviously he's done a lot of winning and done a lot of uh, talking by action and, uh, you know, leading those other guys and, and teaching them how to uh, pitch uh, the, the right way on the college level. Mauricio and some of the others uh, certainly have uh, grown and, and stepped up this year to pitch well. So the pitching staff has really uh, governed itself, uh, been under great leadership, and has really performed and given us a chance to win all, in virtually every game. What are, you, what are your thoughts? I mean, you know, again, I can only look at, uh, the numbers, so that's why I want to kind of get your thoughts if from an offensive standpoint, a two point or a two seventy one uh, batting average. Uh, you, you, just your thoughts on uh, the offensive production of your team this season? Well, like I say, um, obviously FAMU is leading at three eighteen, uh, but our two seventy one really feels like a three hundred. Uh, they, they've gotten key hit after key hit after key hit. Uh, they've laid down bunts. They've been able to hit behind runners. We've done better situationally and uh, under the uh, guidance of uh, Coach Wiley Lee and uh, Drew Sutmiller. So, you know, we've come early. We've stayed late. We've uh, understood uh, what pitchers are trying to, pitchers are trying to throw to us by advanced scouting and a lot of preparation. And uh, like I said, I think this has been a, a great hitting year, a great offensive year for us as well uh, because of the way we've been able to stress other pitchers and make pitching changes and, and put pressure on a lot of other teams. Claude L. Clark, the head baseball coach at Norfolk State, joins us here on the program. Give us a feel, Coach Clark, for maybe this year's MEAC tournament. I mean, when you look at years past, and it's, you know, it's been, been some years since Bethune-Cookman had really dominated the conference, and now other teams have won it, Savannah State, Florida A&M, uh, even Bethune-Cookman uh, without Mervell Melendez has won it. You know, your, what are your thoughts in terms of Norfolk State chances this year in winning it all? I do feel a little stronger um, uh, about our chances because just our bullpen has just been so tough. Uh, the 271, we felt like, you know, obviously it plays a little bit better than that, but you've got to have a good rotation and you have to have some good relief. And uh, Michael Parman's here, uh, Chase Anderson, and um, Alex Mauricio, which is John's brother, they've just really been dynamic out of the pen. So uh, you may not get a lead, but if we do get a lead and play good defense, uh, we do have the relief to shut it down, and that really does make you feel good as a coach that if you do get a lead, you can protect it in that tournament, uh, hoping to uh, advance to the next game. So a little bit better feel due to a stronger bullpen. We see that in the big leagues nowadays. These guys, after the sixth inning, really the game is over, and that allows them to be very successful. I had the same feel about our team this year. What does it mean to you, lastly, to 
have played, and I remember when you played at uh, at Norfolk State, um, one uh, player of the year, uh, one year, I think that was back in 2000, um, to have played at Norfolk State at a very high level and now to lead your alma mater and the success. This has been the most successful season in terms of wins and losses, or really wins, 27 in the Division One history of Norfolk State. What does that mean to you? Uh, again, it's, it's it's more like a opportunity of a lifetime. I really didn't think that I'd get a great chance to play on the Division One level as a player, and certainly not to uh, coach on the Division One level. But as I stress to always, or I always stress to other people, when you do get an opportunity, you have to take advantage of it. And uh, I'm glad I was able to be in that frame of mind, both as a player and a coach, surround myself with a lot of good people uh, to learn how to pitch, and then obviously to learn how to be a better coach and, and guide our team. And uh, to be able to do that at the highest level uh, on both uh, aspects, pitching and uh, coaching, has uh, really been an opportunity of a lifetime. That's why I've continued to stay at Norfolk State, continue to work hard, because they gave me an opportunity on two fronts that I would not have gotten anywhere else. Norfolk State is ranked number three in the Black College Nines Division One baseball poll. Again, the Spartans winners of the MEAC's Northern Division. They're going to, of course, participate in next week's MEAC baseball tournament in his 12th season as the head coach of the Spartans, Claudel Clark, joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Coach Clark, we appreciate the time. Continued success to you and the Spartans. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me on. Before we get out of here on From the Press Box to Press Row, a historic announcement has come down. The Pro Football Hall of Fame and the Black College Football Hall of Fame are, are partnering to um, whereas the Black College Football Hall of Fame will now have a permanent home at the Pro Football Hall of Fame, uh, which is a pretty big deal. I mean, 29 of the 303 members of the Pro Football Hall of Fame are uh, Black College Hall of Famers, including more recently in 2014 when you had Michael Strahan, Claude Humphrey, and Aeneas Williams all making it to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And, you know, even with that, I think we're going this summer we're going to bring back our HBCU Legends series here on From the Press Box to Press Row. And boy, with that Legends series, which we started uh, about three years ago, we've talked with everyone from George Williams to Larry Little to John Chaney, uh, Ken Houston, uh, Earl the Pearl Monroe has been part of that Legends series, um, uh, Donnie Shell. The list goes on and on. So we're going to bring back that HBCU Legends series also this summer here on From the Press Box to Press Row. My time is about up. I thank you for yours. Thank you to Mike Wallace for joining us today here on the program. Also to Claudel Clark for joining us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. For more information on the show, you can log on to our website, BoxToRow.com. BoxToRow.com, a lot of good stuff on the website. Also follow us on Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, and on Instagram, as well as on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. And always remember to support those that support you. From the Press Box to Press Row is presented by DW Communications.